Newport online. There are a number of familiar names on the screen there. Good to have you with us in this forum. Thanks for being here. I've got a number of announcements, uh, just some prayer updates before I then introduce our guest speaker here this morning. Um, so we'll start with announcements. Uh, you've probably seen in your emails that the Hope Mission Committee has sent out a survey, and, and we do want to hear from you. Um, so they're they're asking for how you use the building and whatever ministries you have been a part of, whether it's presently or in the past, or something you might even want to be in the doing in the future. But um, they want to hear how the building relates to that, right? So make sure that you check that. Um, that email and give us the feedback that we need so that as we are meeting with Hope Mission in just a couple of weeks to do some finalization of the, the interior of the building, that we will be doing that, having heard from you about the usage, if it does make a difference. So please, please do that. Secondly, um, I got an email this week from the Red Deer Dream Center saying that they are now uh, opening and they're starting by taking um, clients in stages. So they're taking a group of eight in, I believe, October and then a second group of eight in November and a, a third group of eight in, in uh, December. And so they're, they're, they're opening in stages in that sense. And as they are, are um, moving through this, this um, opening and um, they are looking for support, and the support that they are looking for is not actually financial in this point. Of course, they can use that sending the money as well, but they are looking for meals to be provided. They're wondering if, there, if there's a possibility of a team um, preparing a meal for essentially eight men at this point, um, perhaps once a week or once every couple of weeks. So preparing the meal here and then taking it down to them. If that's something that you would be interested in doing, um, they would like to hear from us. They would, I'd like to hear from you. Um, this is not something I can coordinate on my own, but if there are a group of people that would like to come together and say, we want to support in this way, and we feel like that's a ministry that we could take on, then let's talk because there is that opportunity at this time. Thirdly, um, congratulations to the Newmans. Newmans, you have a 60th anniversary, and there's a little bit of a get-together happening here this afternoon. There's an open house. If you want to come bless them and say hi and celebrate their anniversary, and some more congratulations to you guys. That's three and six. You would have not Sixty years. Wow. Good for you. That's going like this. Good stuff. Okay, a couple of prayer requests. I got an email this morning from Shelly Arthur saying that James took a volleyball to the head. Um, it sounds like he ended up with a, a concussion. And so we need to be praying for James as he recovers at home with what Shelly said is a severe headache. And so please be praying for him. We'll include him in prayers momentarily. Um, secondly, um, Ben and Maridel's son, Kim, was taken to the hospital last night with publications around diabetes. And so we can be praying for him as well. And then lastly, some of you have asked about just an update on my trip um, and seeing my brother and so on. So I'll just take a moment for that. Yeah, I, I spent a week in Ontario um, in the hospital with, uh, with my, my new niece who was born with a very severe condition, which essentially means that her one layer of skin doesn't properly attach to the next layer, um, which becomes, which means that every time there's friction, and I mean, even friction that looks like this, sores develop and open up. 
And um, so she has sores all over her body, in her mouth, uh, on her back. Um, I could, her hands are absolutely raw. Um, I didn't even get a chance to see her whole body because so much of it is actually bandaged. Um, and this is what they are facing. It's a genetic condition. So this is this is a lifelong thing, and, and it does and can often take lives very early. And so they don't even know where she is on the, the spectrum of severity at this point, but um, they need ongoing prayer. Um, our, our family is continuing to pray for them, and I know some of you have been as well, and I deeply appreciate that, especially because they are navigating this not being believers. And people do that. I don't know how they do. Um, so we, I would appreciate any prayer for not only Amelia, um, but then my, my brother and sister and their faith and their, their journey as they walk through something very difficult. Um, they're going to be in the hospital another two to three weeks, probably before she comes home. Um, but then it's an ongoing life of learning how to, to care for a very high needs child. So I would appreciate that. Thank you. Lord, I, I love what we sang about just a moment ago. There are, the, the world has so many competing solutions for how to fix the world. And yet what we sang was that we want to know your heart. We want to know your heart. Because that's more important to us than what we in our humanness and our limitations can come up with on our own. Whether that's for Amelia or James or Kim, whether that's for the good things that we are, are rightly celebrating, that, that um, Hope Mission, it, the project is moving forward and steps are being taken, or whether it's the Dream Center and taking on new clients and, and, and being a, a place where there's change that's going to happen in the city. Lord, as much as we can come up with some things, we will all fall short if we do not know your heart for any one of them. That's why we are here this morning, Lord. So we, we, we come with this sense of humility that we are limited and finite, but you are, are not limited by anything. That, that you have everything that we need for life and for godliness, for health, for peace, for the problems that we encounter you are the way. You are the answer. So we come once again saying, thank you, Lord. We love you and we trust you, even when we don't understand what's going on. Even when we just have to label something with, I don't get it. We label it with, I don't get it. But then we say, but God is good. And we trust you and we love you. So Lord, would you be good this morning to James? And would you bring about a, a quick recovery? Would you heal his brain? And would you relieve him of pain so that there are no more headaches? I pray that there would be no long-term or even short-term repercussions and, and um, 
collateral damage that happens as a result of concussion. I pray that his, his thinking would continue to be quick, that he would be able to process properly, and that he would quickly get out of bed and move through life saying, actually, the Lord touched me, and as much as I did take this, this head injury on, I did have it. He's lifted me up. I pray that for, for Kim as well this morning, that you would remove the, the complications that, that diabetes has caused there, that you would take him out of the hospital, that you would give him increased and improved health, and that he would recognize that it's it's Jesus, the healer, who stepped into that room. Lord, I pray the same thing for my little niece, Amelia. You are the healer. And you are the one who sustains all of us along the way. Would you sustain my brother and sister-in-law? And I thank you so much for a family of people here who have been praying. Thank you, Lord. Lord, this is a worship service. We, we have come here first and foremost to give you all of the praise that you deserve. So Lord, even now as we move into a time of sitting under your word, it is under your word looking up at you saying, you are the one not only in control, but you are the one in charge. You are the king. So would you, would you reposition things in us that are that are not focused on you. Would you would you refine us so that the things that don't belong there because they don't please you are purged? Would you do your work in us this morning so that that your word gets proper place because it's your voice, it's it's your person coming to us and saying, This is the way. Lord, I pray your blessings now over Jeff as he comes. Would you grant him a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Would you give him clarity both in thought and in speech so that everything that comes out is a reflection, not of Jeff, but of you, is a reflection of your word and your truth? Would you, would you send your spirit out this morning, Lord, so that lives are transformed as we meet you? as we hear from you, because you are our hope. You're the one that we trust. You're the one that we love. Have your way here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. When, um, when I knew that I was going to be away for a week, um, I asked my friend Jeff if he would come and speak. Jeff, would you come on up? Jeff doesn't really need an introduction, I don't think, at this point. He's been here quite a number of times, and um, but it's my privilege to actually be here when he's, when he's here for once. So thank you so much for coming, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Jeff, as you probably know, is the faith mission. They, they, Jeff and Janny, his wife, were here in Red Deer, and they're sharing the, the good news. And he prays with a lot of different people. He's been a huge encouragement to me. Um, dearly love this guy. So I'm, I'm really privileged to be able to sit here and listen to you and, and uh, hear what God has to share. Well, good morning, everybody. It is such a privilege for me to be here, and I got so many great friends here, Pastor Dan and many others. Jenny and I wanted to thank you all so much for your support to the Faith Mission as well, and for your prayers and for your kindness. We we just 
like when it says in Philippians, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. We love your church. We love God's church, but we love this particular local church and each one of you here. And it's just a privilege to be here to speak the word today. <clears throat> and I was so happy. I prayed so much of what I should share this morning. And it's on one of my favorite topics that the Lord led. It's revival. I believe that is the need for our nation right now. It's a need for my personal life and yours. But I want to share what revival is. What is revival? <clears throat> I think the only way to really understand revival is just to look right in the Bible. And the greatest example that I can give you, the best definition of revival is the book of Acts. And it doesn't just start when God, we always think of the Bible as powerful, powerful things happening. And that is the fruit of revival. <clears throat> but it began when Jesus said, I have to leave. First of all, he had to leave. He had to die on the cross. That's what he came for. He came and he died on the cross and he paid the redemption. He redeemed us from our sin through his blood from every tribe, every kindred, every nation. The most important thing that ever happened, he went to the cross and died on the cross and, and rose again in mighty power to save us from our sins. But he also said, I have to leave so that I, I can send the comforter to you. There's many, many prophecies, hundreds of them in the Old Testament when Christ would come, God the Son <clears throat> would come. And redeem the world. And detail after detail after detail. But there's also prophecies in the Old Testament of when the third member of the Godhead would come in mighty power. The Holy Spirit. We see many, many prophecies in the Old Testament telling us about when the Holy Spirit would come. God, the, the Spirit, would be poured out upon people. And so Jesus said, it's very important that I go, because if I don't go, I can't send the comforter to you. Who will, he said, who will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment? Because you see, the Messiah, the Savior came and he died on the cross, and there's a spiritual battle going on in the world right now. The enemy, Satan, is trying to blind people's eyes to this greatest news there ever was. But praise God, the Holy Spirit, he can open our eyes. So that Christ came to redeem us, but the Holy Spirit came to open our eyes and to convict us and to draw us to the Savior. What an amazing thing. Because there is a huge, we think it's a political problem, we think all these things, monetary problem. There is only two, there's only one area that really is the problem, and it's a spiritual problem. And in a hundred years, everyone in this room will know that. And so Jesus said, I have to go because I will send you the Holy Spirit. But he said, I want what I want you to, and this is how all revivals start. I want you 12 guys that really aren't very good at anything. Well, they were good at what they did, I'm sure, but they were weak. And that minute went down to 11. And then more joined them. But I want you guys to go and pray, he said. Wait in Jerusalem, he said. In, in the book of Luke, in the, I'm just sort of, I, if I went to every passage here this morning, we'd be here all morning. But he said, 
In Luke, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the promise. Remember the promise that he'd given them? If you mean he gave that beautiful story, I've shared this story. So I'm, I'm sort of bringing all the things I've shared here before into one now. Is he told them that uh, in that place, in, in he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Because he told them, I have a job for you. I want the whole world to know the good news. What I mean, Christ came, of course, the most important thing ever, but I want the world to know it. I want the world to know the, the greatest news that ever was. And you're going to need my power to do it. So go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise. And remember he told that, that parable that this is how you pray. You keep asking, keep speaking, keep knocking for the Holy Spirit. The context there is the Holy Spirit. And if you're evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So the promise, he told us what the promise was. The promise is the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem, pray. And, and then it tells us in Acts that he said, not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit of God. That's revival. Someone put it like this, a community saturated with the presence of God. God is everywhere, of course. There's nowhere you can go where you can get away from the presence and spirit of God. But when God manifests his presence, if, if you've ever experienced that, you don't need to, it, it is, you can't explain it, you can't, it's unbelievable when the presence of God comes in mighty power and convicting power and drawing power. It's the need of the world to meet God. Meet God. I hear people say, oh, when I get before God, am I going to tell him something? Oh, you are. You've obviously never been in the presence, even slightly the presence of God. It is an awesome thing when God comes in power. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to wait for the promise. Because no matter if you go, if they, it's sort of like, remember when they thought, when they said, we're not going to go into the take the promised land. And then they said, oh, well, when they, now we should probably, because we, and they tried to go in and they got whipped. You try to go out there and win this world to God without him, you'll be back to prayer. That's why, yeah, we should be going out all the time. But if you go out, if you've ever tried that, go try to help a guy that's totally hooked on drugs or something. Demon possessed. You try to help in your own. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? They ran out of the place naked and, and run and beaten up by the demon. You'll be back to prayer. If you want to go and win the world for Christ and you go in your own strength, you'll be back to the place of prayer. And so he said, why don't you start there? So he said, go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. That is, gives you goosebumps. If you've ever tried witnessing without God, you need to be endued with power from on high. But if you are endued with power from on high, it is amazing. So he said, you go pray. And God worked in their hearts so powerfully. In that upper room, I wish we could see what, what would happen in that upper room. But they became knit together as one. Because that's what it tells us. They're in one accord. And I believe one accord. I believe with all my heart. But one accord is, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. When all of us come into one heart where we say, we want your glory, God, not mine. We want your kingdom. Sometimes churches are in one accord, but everybody wants their own glory, their own kingdom, and their own will. That's not good. That's not a good one accord. But when we all come into one accord, when God begins to transform us together, we walk in the light together, and he begins to change us so we want his glory, his kingdom, and his will. That's when we're prepared to pray. 
And they came and they prayed, and God sent the promise. You remember that day? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, God had it all planned, and it was the day that he came, and he fell on those 120 people. And they were all so filled with the Holy Spirit that they began to speak in tongues of other languages where all these people that had come to Jerusalem for the, for the festival, for the, for the holy time, they came there, and all these people from other places, they came and they heard these people preaching the gospel in their tongue from where they came from. Now that is God. These were like fishermen and tax and all these guys. They heard the gospel in their own mother tongue. They were Jews themselves, but they heard it from, and they're just, what is going on? There was a mighty rushing wind. There was flames of fire. It was power. God's power was unleashed. Peter preached, if you look at the sermon, it was just the most simple sermon. He, he just quoted from Old Testament, from the Psalms, and then he quotes this, this one from Joel. This is what happened that day. This prophecy in Joel, hundreds of years before, they said what was going to happen. And not just that day, but many, many, many times since. But he says, but this, this is what Peter said. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that God, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You, you just got to picture that. I'm just going to pour my presence out upon this area or upon it's it, many revivals are different. There's different sizes and scopes and, and sometimes whole nations are changed. Sometimes just families. Sometimes never just families because I'll tell you when my family was touched it wasn't just family. Every family matters. But God pours up sometimes pours a spirit on a family, on one individual, on his family, on community, on whole nations. The United States there was a time when the great awakening of the United States one quarter of the United States was born again. That's what's made. You know, I'm going to touch on this a little bit more later but God poured out his spirit here on Jerusalem itself. He says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, this is from the Old Testament, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And that's what happened. God poured out his spirit upon this group. There was 3,000 people there listening to the word, and they came to the place where Peter was speaking, and the Spirit of God was poured out so powerfully that they said, stop. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. They were cut right to the heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And there's been revivals in places where they were cannibals, and they were killing each other, living in just total orgies, constant and absolute unbridled lust. And God transformed them. To the, they called them, the, in the New Hebrides, it was the falling of love, they said. The people became some of the most beautiful people on earth. There's been revivals amongst that kind of thing. But I think the hardest place, the hardest hearts are those that are religious. I thank you, God, that I'm not letting other people out. That's the hardest heart to break into. And that's Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a very religious place. And 3,000 very religious people were cut to their hearts. So they cried out, what do we need to do? What do we do? And Peter 
you just simply follow in the gospel, repent and be baptized or throughout the whole New Testament, repent and believe. Turn to God with all your heart and trust him to save you. What Christ did on that cross, trust him. When, when you've been convicted of your sin, Jesus becomes soul precious. When you see your sin as what it really is, when the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, the gospel is so beautiful. And so they did. 3,000 at one moment came to Christ. And it, it says there, they continued steadfastly. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. They didn't need somebody holding them up. They were touched by God and they were never the same. They continued with all their hearts, running after God. And then it stayed 2,000 more. That's when God's at work. They turned the world upside down. They, they said about Asia, they talked about the church in Asia. They said, we don't even need to talk about God, about Jesus, because your lives are so changed that they're all saying, look, these people that have turned from idols to serve the living and true God. When it's a work of God, you don't need to tell people. Yeah, God's working. No, they'll tell you. He can transform lives. I was so blessed this last week to see God poured out on a guy that I prayed with, very wealthy man who was just absolutely before it was money that he not even just he just could care. He just was cut by God so powerfully, and now his life has changed so much that this other fellow that was a neighbor of his who's been through more trauma. I've worked in the north end of Winnipeg, which is a very rough area. I have never seen anybody go through trauma like this guy's been through here in Canada. And he was just at the end of himself. And he saw the power of God in this other fellow. And he's given his life to Christ. And you can see the joy all over this guy's face. He's being delivered from depression and from trauma. And it's just God can work in people's hearts, small or large. But so they prayed. They went there. God poured out his spirit on these people. They were touched by God. They were absolutely filled with the love of God. I think people talk about all the great miracles of, of, uh, of the book of Acts, but probably one of the greatest miracles in the book of Acts is they became one. Nobody had need because nobody cared about their own stuff. They just loved. They were over every revival. It's like a falling of love. They were filled with the love of God. They were filled with the joy of God. They were just rejoicing and praising God, even if they were whipped. They were rejoicing. They were that all the fruits of the Holy Spirit were flowing out of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, the, and the boldness that they had. These people that were so afraid. Peter, who was afraid of a little girl that said, Aren't you weren't you with? No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Now he's telling these people, you crucified the Messiah. They were so, but when it's a work of God, you're not an idiot. You're not a jerk when you're filled with boldness. You're still humble. When it's a true work of the Holy Spirit, it's it's one of the most beautiful uh, mixtures of complete boldness and yet complete humility. That's really love. You'll say what needs to be said, even though you get look if you look terrible, but you do it with love. And so God poured out his spirit upon these people and the entire world was turned upside down. They went out everywhere. And every one of the 11 apostles, except for John, they tried to kill him, but every other one of them died violently. And all they had to do was say, he didn't rise from the dead. 
but you could not shut these guys up. Or just shut up. Just shut up and you'll live. No, I will never shut up. And every one of them died violently. But went to a war with God. That's revival. And this is what we need to take from this. And take all the examples. We, we, we read many of them. I've read so many books on revival. But God's been, he said, I'm going to pour out in the latter days. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We're way more in the latter days now than they were. And he's been pouring out his spirit. Right now, you think of China. See, one of the toughest places you could ever imagine is, is amongst nations of strong Islam. They're coming to Christ by the thousands. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. We said, oh, communism will never be. God broke the back of communism. He, he, he can break into some of these countries that are so hard and so cold. But North America, we, we may be so free because of the revivals we've had in the past, but we need revival so badly. That is the only hope for North America. Is a great move of God. But again, we have to go back. And that's why I'm so excited to speak to you here. Because there are some prophecies of the Old Testament that I believe are God is a covenant-keeping God. And he said, if, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that are continually asking coming to God and they're thirsting after him. And there's a couple of prophecies from the Old Testament I'd like to read to you. And I'd like you to claim them. Now, there's a cost to this, but I'd like the, the Heaven Ridge Revival, which is the faith mission came out of that or was part of that, is there was a, a covenant that they took to God in the, in the Heaven Ridge Revival, and it was found in the book of Isaiah. And this was the covenant that they took to God, and it says in Isaiah 44, verse 3 4, 3 4, he says, I will pour water. Upon him that is thirsty. And floods. Upon the dry ground. And I'll pour my spirit upon your seed. Your children. And my blessing upon your offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass. And willowed by the watercourses. That is one of the greatest promises. It, it, it Always in the Old Testament. Water was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I mean, and I love that he uses farming illustrations so often, but he, he says, I'm going to pour out water on them that are thirsty. And so God's saying, if you just have thirst, that's all you need is thirst. I'll do the rest. If you come to me thirsty, thirsting for the Holy Spirit, I will begin to work. God keeps his covenants. Some people say, oh, I prayed for God to fill me with the spirit and he didn't. No. He began a process in your life and you said no. But if you're really, really thirsty, you ever, we've never really been thirsty here or hungry unless we wanted to be. But you see someone that's really, really thirsty. They're going to they, You give them $5 million, here's $5 million. I'm dying. I'm in a desert. I, I need water. Get that out of my face. He promises, I will pour my Holy Spirit on them that are thirsty. 
And our country is getting to a place where I think we're getting a little more thirsty. And sometimes we just come with the thirst and God begins to work in our hearts. And God's working in hearts in this church. And those who say, no matter what it costs me, I need the Holy Spirit. My family needs you, Holy Spirit. Sometimes it takes our children really going in the wrong direction that we get thirsty. Sometimes it takes to go out and you try to win people and there's, they're lost and they're hard. They're caught so deep into sin there's no way out except for God. And it makes us thirsty. But God promises, I will pour water on them that are thirsty. And that's revival. He starts when people come together. You look at every single revival that was real. There was a group of people desperate for God and they began to pray. Prayer that would not, just like that guy knocking on the door for the bread, like from the text that we've been looking at. I won't stop knocking until you bring the bread. They come to God. I need you, Lord. And when God begins to do a work in their life, and every time he says something to them, they say, yes, Lord. I remember this is Terrence. They always have shared this. But they put yes, Lord, at the front. And he said, that's the key to revival. If you just keep saying yes, Lord. This guy I was telling you about that was touched by God and filled with the Spirit. He said, all I pray all day long is thy will be done. Whatever you want, Lord, I want to do it. That's a, that's a heart that's filled with the Spirit of God. Yes, Lord. You can't say no, Lord. He's not Lord anymore. You say no. But if you just say yes. He started talking. Yes. You read this book? Yes. But if you're like me, God, I, this area of my life, I can't, I can't change. I need you to help me to change. He takes that too. Honesty. God, I want to give you this idol that you gave me. You gave me my wife. You gave me my kids. You gave me this blessing in my life. And I keep taking it, but I want to keep giving it to you. That's a heart that's right toward God. You're just honest. I want to give you everything, God. But as we're thirsty for God, and we start to pray together, you see, God will pour water upon the thirsty. That's your own life. And you see that in revivals. It's, it's so amazing to see. Some people say, oh, I'm a senior citizen, so I'm, I, I can't really minister for the Lord anymore. That's when you can really start ministering. Prayer is the number one. Like someone said, we don't pray for the work. Prayer is the work. And so all these great revivals, you see sometimes these older ladies or older men that just, a lot of them were crippled. And they were so filled with the presence and power of God. They said, if you went into their homes, it was like you're walking into the throne room of God. Because they were so right with God. And they began to pray for an area. And then God touched other leaders. And they, they were touched. And it just, that water on the thirsty and then the floods upon the dry ground. And God can do more in a short period of time than we can do in a lifetime when he pours out his spirit. Like I said about the United States, one quarter of the United States was born again. It absolutely trans the United, transformed the United States. They would, I, I've shared this, but ships would be sailing into the harbors of New York. And as they were sailing in, they were saying, it was like we sailed into the presence of God. These godless men would be weeping on the ground wanting to be born again, 
asking for a preacher. Some of the, the one time there was a ship that came in, they wouldn't even get up. They called for a preacher to come and lead every one of them to Christ because it was the presence of God. The, in the, in the one of the awakenings, the whole city, they believe the whole city of Athens, New York, it was about 100,000 people at the time, was born again. Atlanta, Georgia, the same thing, about 100,000, a little over 100,000 people, and it's kind of funny, red years, 100,000. God can save whole cities when he pours out his spirit. I still remember some of the times when you you never really, I mean, times in your life where you have you, experienced God. The conviction of that. And there's people out there that they don't even think about God, but when God begins to move, and that's why I'm so excited about Randy right now, because I, I share the gospel a lot. And when years ago, or seven, about eight or nine years, seven or eight years ago, I remember thinking, wow, there was more money running around all over. The, I'd never seen anything like it coming from Saskatchewan. But people said, no, thank you. That was very nice. But now when you share the gospel, there's more openness. I've been in areas where you see that, where the presence of God is beginning to convict people and draw them. And your church is seeing things that is so great. And so I would encourage you to take these covenants from God. There's a place in Isaiah also that says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens. There's got to be an oh in that. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down. That would rip open the heavens. That God would come down. That the mountains would all flow down at your presence. The mountains, again, in the Bible, again, is a picture of pride. There are so many problems in this nation right now. I don't think we even know most of it. We're heading for trouble. And this is the cry of Isaiah. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you'd come down, that the mountains would flow down at your presence. He goes on here in Isaiah 64. And he says, when you did awesome things, which we look not for, you came down and the mountains flowed down at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither have seen the eye seen, O God, beside you. What is What he has prepared for him that waits for him and waiting on God. You meet him that rejoices in works righteousness. Those that remember you in your ways. He meets with people. What people need in this city is to meet God. We need God to rip the heavens open and come down in his mattress presence and begin to convict people and draw them and set them free from sin. That's our need. But did you notice who he starts with? He starts with thirsty. He's looking for the thirsty. God says, I, his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for that he might show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect. Not perfect hearts, but are perfect for him, that thirsty for him. They're surrendered to him and just trusting in him. I, I love that passage when I talk about praying for revival, about Abraham. He was given a promise, he was given a covenant. And his little boy, Isaac, was huge part of that covenant. God told him to, get, to sacrifice his son. He wasn't going to get it. To, but the, the promise that God had given him that he was going to have a baby, and that baby was going to be an heir to the Messiah. And so even when he was old, it says about Abraham, he said he didn't look at the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't look at his own life that was he was almost 100 years old. 
But it says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he promised, he was able also to perform. And we've been given a promise of the Holy Spirit. And we need to come together personally and come together, as many of you are already praying in this church, and believe God for his promise. We don't want to look at the terrible economy or the, the, the political situation. Look at the sin in our nation that's gone just down the tubes. We don't look at that. We look at the promise that God has given us. And we pray by faith for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think this church is one where God is doing things, but he's going to do more. But I just want to just say to you, I've been times where God begins to work, and it's costly. Someone said, if you can live without revival, you will. You won't experience it. But if you say, I want God to pour his spirit, and I'm willing to pay whatever price. because, Like Gerard de Troyes would always say, it'll cost you everything to have personal revival and to begin to pray for revival. But if we don't, it'll cost us way, way more. If you understand what I'm saying here. We need to see this country, this city, this country needs his children to get hungry and thirsty and cry out to God together. To go back to that upper room like they did and say, God, we need your Holy Spirit. That's the beginning. But I feel like there's a group of people here that God could bless. But I've been in places where God began to working. Then we began to touch his glory. I just want to warn you about that because I see God working in your group. Don't ever touch his glory. And he, he's going to ask you to go. And, and, and I'm going to tell you the hardest part of that last thing that there's everything in every one of our lives is that area where we hang on to so tightly. But he wants that. It does cost us, but man, what a blessing. When God begins to touch our families and our neighborhoods and our, and our community, he's looking for those kind of those people that will just abandon themselves to him and cry out to him for a life. I'm just going to close with a short little story that I just to kind of encourage you and to keep praying. I was going to a prayer meeting in Saskatchewan one morning. Uh, it was an early prayer meeting, and I, I really like this talk show guy. He was he wasn't a Christian, but if I watched, I listened to him, he was really brilliant. And he would he would have different people on the show. And if you were proud, he would cut you to shreds. And Christians that were proud, oh, you could just tell he hated them. But if there was a few very, very humble Christians that came onto his show, and you could hear in his voice, he was he was, he was broken. And he'd ask questions and, and he'd share later that I phoned, I keep in contact with that guy. He was very soft to those things. If it was a humble servant of God, and he would be very, very, why don't you share the gospel? Or you know, like he was just so he wasn't a Christian, but you could tell he was soft and he thought about it a lot. And this guy came on, this historian from the United States, and he shared that um, he, he came on and he shared about a, 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 a sermon illustration I heard before in church, but this guy is definitely not a Christian. And he shared about these, in, in Africa, there was this, these terrible things happening all over this one area of Africa, this small area. 
and there was just a terrible destruction where rhinoceroses were just mutilated and, and areas were just trampled and they thought what is going on and they, they finally figured out it was these elephants they were they were off just on wild these elephants and they thought you know shoot these elephants and one old forest ranger i guess whatever you call them in africa he said no 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 poacher killed the the male dominant male elephants in their pack better better elephants go in but they killed the, the dominant males, and now these adolescent elephants are just running wild. It's because they don't have any leadership. And so he said, let's just bring in two males from way over there, bring them into this group. They beat the tar of these young elephants when they got out of the hand, and soon they were right under control again, these, these little elephants. But even a small adolescent elephant can kill everything else. So they, they and they said, this, this guy said, this is the problem with the United States. He said that the, the shooting, my uncle was right near that shooting in Connecticut where they set many young little children were shot in a school. And he said, I, I am so sorry for all families. And he said, it was a terrible, despicable thing that happened. But he said, in my city, Chicago, there will be that many violent deaths with guns in the next month of black boys. But nobody cares. That's what he was saying. Nobody cares. That was terrible. Everybody's up, and it is terrible. It was a terrible, terrible thing. But he said it's happening all the time in Chicago. And he said, "You know what the problem is?" He said, when he told that story, you know, he said the dads are gone. All the dads are either so heavily into drugs or alcohol, or he said it's better the dads are gone. Some of them are so bad, and a lot of them are dead. But these young men are growing up, and they have no dads to help them. And he said, and then I just was crying all the way when he told the next part. He said, this has happened many times in the United States' history and around the world. But he said, there's a phenomenon that every historian knows is the key to what happened to the United States. But he said, it's called revival. He said, this thing called revival. We've been where it was so bad. And then there was a revival came. And then the, that's how where they get you fell off the wagon, they'd have these big parades where all these drunks, all these alcoholics would get on the wagon and they would parade through the city saying, I'm never gonna beat my child again or my wife because they were all sober. Times of huge, you, you read about these great revivals that happen. And he said, and this is what the funny part, he said, I don't know if we necessarily need, they, they were very religious, he said, but I don't know if we necessarily need the religious side of it, but he said, we need revival. That's what's made the United States what it is. Every historian knows that. And the, the other guy, the Christian sympathizer, I guess you could call him, said, but isn't that the whole point? It has to be religious. He said, well, you might be right there. It was just funny to hear them talking, but he was right. A historian who had no other ulterior motives knows we need revival. And I would challenge and encourage everyone in this room. I'm going to just bring it back to Perky now. Cry out to God for God to fill you with the Spirit. He will pour water upon the thirsty. And then pray for floods upon the dry ground. Get together with others that want to pray the same way. Because God is a covenant keeping God. He will pour water upon 
thirsty. He will throw floods upon the dry ground and he will touch your children. This is the greatest need that we have for our families, for Red Deer, for our nation. And so I just wanted to share with you it begins with me and it begins with you. We need to cry out to God. Let me just pray for you. I'm sorry I went a little extra here. Sorry. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this church. And I pray, Lord, I thank you for the way your spirit is moving here. And I pray that you would pour your spirit upon this place. I thank you the way there's people praying. I know that. I know there's been personal revivals in this church. And I pray that your spirit would just keep them close to you. And that you would bless them. Lord, I remember hearing about the, the people up on the mountain in South Korea having visions of Canada, seeing a paper map of the country and those little fire pricks that started all over in rural areas or in areas of Canada. And it, it started, it, it lit Canada on fire and the whole world on fire. And I pray that this little church, dear God, would be a place where you begin to move in mighty, mighty power. Bless Pastor Ben. Bless every person in this church. Keep them close to you, Lord, and just give them a hunger. Bless them with a hunger and thirst for you. And that, Lord, you would just pour your spirit upon this place and upon our area. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jeff. Um, would you stand as we conclude our service? Sing to the worthy one.
and why don't you have a seat? Thank you. Jeff, thank you for being here. Um, it's a good word, and it's interesting how much it overlaps with the things that God has been speaking to us about in recent days. Um, I just asked Jeff to come. I didn't give him any script or anything, so it's been interesting listening to Karuma's message from last week and today's message and how much they very much overlap with the things God has been speaking to our community. So you can take that as independent confirmation. Uh, what I really appreciate about what you said, Jeff, was that um, one of the things was that revival starts with desperate and thirsty people getting together to pray and call out to God to be true to his promises. There are desperate and hungry, thirsty people calling out to God to be true to his promises every Monday morning over Zoom and every Thursday night over Zoom. And if you're becoming more desperate and more hungry and thirsty, the best thing to do is to get with other people who are in the same boat. And you say, I don't like boring prayer meetings. You know what? They are boring prayer meetings sometimes. And we need boring prayer meetings. But they're only boring until they're not. And I, I mean that very sincerely, that God shows up in these uh, in special ways at times that are just completely, you're unprepared for them. And the only way to be prepared is to show up week after week at boring prayer meetings. And so I, I actually challenge you to start doing that because you will in time reap the fruit of it. But those who sow to the, those who sow to the spirit from the spirit will reap. But sowing, but the time between sowing and harvest takes some time. But we can, we can be assured, and we heard it again this morning, that there is a harvest coming. And it takes time being with desperate, thirsty people, praying together and asking God to be true to his promises, and he will. So I encourage you. I encourage you to, to, to step into that. And this is the season where we're fasting right now and praying. We're asking for the Lord to, to move in, in Tim and Lori's life. We're asking for the Lord to pour out his spirit on this church. So I encourage you in this last stretch of just over a week where we continue to fast and pray that the Lord would be moving to, to really lean into that. You are probably at a point where the fast has become a little easier. There's that saying that it's only hard until it's normal, and you're now into the normal stretch. So get hungrier. Get more desperate and more thirsty, and we will see more reward. And some of that takes time as well. So you may not see it on Halloween, but it will come. So I encourage you to continue to lean into the fast and the prayer at this time. Let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, love of Christ at your back, the presence of Christ in front of you, and the Holy Spirit with you all along the way. Blessings to those of you who are online. Say goodbye to you. Um, for those of you who are still here, I just I, we're always happy to pray with anyone after the service. No doubt, Jeff would love to pray with.